Hello, and welcome to another episode of the PHA Podcast. My name is Stefan Gillum. I am your host. As always, the PHA Podcast is presented by AMA Consulting Group, LLC. And on today, I am honored to have Miss Mary Margaret Lemons with me, who is with the Fort Worth Housing Solutions, right? Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about Fort Worth Housing Solutions. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. This is really an honor. Absolutely. So Fort Worth Housing Solutions was established back in 1938. We are the housing authority for the city of Fort Worth. We have about 6,400 vouchers, 49 properties. We're coming up to 9,000 units. Mm -hmm. And we keep almost 45,000 people housed every single day. Wow. That is a lot of people that you are helping to stay housed. Yes. Outstanding. So how did you get yourself into the affordable housing industry? What does your journey look like into this place in Fort Worth? So honestly, I like to say uh, housing found me. Oh, okay. So I, Congratulations. Right? I was an um, <laughs> attorney by trade. Okay. And I started with the agency as general counsel. Mm -hmm. And so I was general counsel for a little, almost two years, and then was asked to serve in an interim role while they did a national search and ended up being the um, candidate for that national search. And I've been in the seat for about six years. Oh, okay. And how do you love it? Absolutely love it. Yeah? It's my passion. Okay. So now that you are involved with Fort Worth Housing Solutions, um, were you ever just Fort Worth Housing Authority? Was there a branding change there? What did that look like? Absolutely. There was a branding change. When I got to the agency, they had laid the groundwork, and we actually announced the rebranding about two months after I joined. So okay. officially, we are the city of Fort Worth Housing Authority and Fort Worth Housing Solutions. We have two DBAs. Okay. Okay. Um, so it was a really a chance to tell the community what we do. Mm -hmm. um, we're not an authority. We're not a bureaucratic office. We truly are trying to help people uh, right. find solutions. In the realm of finding those solutions, tell me what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen that are kind of facing communities when it comes to affordable housing? Well, obviously, just the general lack of affordable housing. We need more units. We need more units at every single AMI. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the lower ones are harder to create. But in Fort Worth alone, we have a lack of about 45,000 um, affordable units. And so we know we can't build our way out of this, right? right? So it's a combination of building, um, maintaining, and you know, not letting the the naturally occurring turn into you know new market rate, and then also paying people housing wages to make okay. sure that they can actually afford these units. And what type of strategies have you been able to invoke in Fort Worth that might be a little bit different than what we're seeing in other PHAs? I would say Fort Worth's been pretty um, entrepreneurial. They have always um, had a strong development arm for about mm -hmm. the past 25 years. Yeah. And so we partner a lot. We do public-private partnerships um, to partner with private developers to get more units on the ground um, at a faster pace. Okay. And how's that going? It's going well. We typically have about five projects under construction, somewhere around 1,500 units um, with another 1,500 in the pipeline to get you know started. Right. So um, it's been a healthy way to create units in our community. Now, I heard a little secret. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I heard a secret that you once had a supervisor that challenged you to say yes and to be able to say yes. How has that kind of shaped how you look at your role at Fort Worth? So as a baby attorney at a bank, a um, bank president who had been a commercial lender, mm -hmm. he was like, you got to quit saying no to people. You need to find a way to say yes. And as a baby attorney, you are just, you know, risk adverse right. and yeah. you're trying to keep people out of trouble. And so that was a pretty big challenge for me early in my career. And when I got to the housing authority, you know, it takes on a different meaning. We want to we want to be able to say yes to people and keep them housed. Mm -hmm. um, we want to find a solution, whether it's working with HUD or our partners. And so it's thinking outside the box, being creative, sometimes taking calculated risks, 
But, you know, looking at my staff and say, how did you help somebody today? Right. Right. We didn't look at a regulation and say all the reasons we couldn't do something. But what are some solutions that we found to make something yeah. happen? And what have you found has been some of the most advantageous solutions that you've utilized? Programs that have been, you know, lights out at the forefront of what you're doing at Fort Worth. You know, when I got in the seat, we were in the middle of a portfolio-wide RAD conversion. And we really took our time to make sure we did that well and, and correctly for our residents. Mm -hmm. um, and so we closed 25 RAD transactions, which that's a lot. Yeah. And we didn't do it necessarily the fastest or the cheapest way, but we did it in a way that really honored our residents and made sure that they had the choices that they deserved. And so it went smoothly as from you know, a resident perspective mm -hmm. um, and really gave them a lot of choice. And so I would say learning that lesson early in my career with HUD and other partners, that this is a collaboration. And if we all are going after you know a goal that is honorable and good, right. um, people can get on board and, and make it happen. Okay. Now, there's been... I want to say a new movement, but it's not really a new movement, but there's been more steam pushed behind the movement of taking our affordable housing residents and moving them into home ownership and, and creating this, this channel, this pathway from homelessness to home ownership. How are you kind of working within that space in Fort Worth? So we have a fabulous FSS program and a home ownership program, and mm -hmm. so it's awesome. I wish we had more um, single-family homes that were at an attainable price. Right. Um, given the market, it's become a, it's become challenging, but we um, we work with our residents to get them ready for home ownership. And um, one of my favorite stories, just two about two months ago, we had somebody that had been at our public housing site. Right. That was um, it's in the middle of a choice neighborhood conversion, so they received a voucher um, just about three years ago. And two months ago, they closed on their first home. Nice. And so to go from public housing to be a homeowner in four years is just That's really fantastic. amazing. Yeah. So, um, so we work with our partners. We work on financial literacy and budgeting, and you know we bring in the experts mm -hmm. to help our clients. And then we also partner and collaborate with lenders, so they understand the program. Realtors, so they understand the program. So we can really make sure that our residents are getting the best of um, the community right. when they're trying to make those transitions. What would you say are some tips, strategies, advice that you would give? to PHAs that are looking to implement some type of program to move from homelessness from affordable housing into home ownership? So I would say educate your community. Um, mm -hmm. When you go out and you put a face with a program and you're telling people about the services you offer, so many people don't even know that the home ownership is a possibility with a voucher. Right. And so many people want to just say Section 8 and they don't understand the power yeah. of a voucher. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, start with your elected, start with your, your partners at the city, but then go to your banks and go to your, you know, your community groups. And once people understand who you are and what you're doing for the community, they want to be a part of it because a lot of them are trying to reach the population we're serving. I mean, that's CRA credit yeah. for the bank, right? That's mm -hmm. a big deal. And once they deal. understand that you're a gateway um, to that, they want to be part of the solution too. Yeah. So speaking of CRAs and the banks and all that kind of stuff, what would you advise for PHAs that are seeing a lack in funding but want to kind of increase the solutions that they're providing for their community? First of all, know what funding's coming into your community, right? right. So read your city council agendas and minutes and, you know, really understand CDBG, mm -hmm. home, all of those funding sources that may not come directly to you, but you have things that could access um, right. and could utilize those funds. Um, even at the state level, you know, the states are a big funding source. And then also understand what your partners are doing, because sometimes collaborating on ANOFA may be a better um, result than if mm -hmm. you had gone in by yourself. Right. And so, you know, we look at all types of funding. And typically, if you're familiar with 
HUD funding, you already understand how to comply with all the restrictions. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so you already have a leg up on people, but we just closed a deal that had 13 different funding sources. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can and layer so them many, in there. Yeah. So many are looking at just this one funding source or maybe two or three. You're talking about you had a deal that had 13 different funding sources. That's a lot of pulling resources in to get the goal done. Absolutely. And yeah. you have to be creative sometimes because who knew, right? Interest rates were going to go through the roof and right. construction costs were going to go through the roof. And, you know, we can't control everything. But I, typically, if you um, have the right people involved and everybody wants to get to yes, mm -hmm. you can make it happen. So your agency has done something very innovative that many agencies have not done. And I want you to kind of speak to that for me a little bit. You've implemented a four-day work week. What drove you to making that change? And then how's it turned out for you? Sure. So I, I copied somebody. Some of my best work okay. is completely taken Listen, from other people. Most of the time, there are some amazing people <laughs> doing some amazing things out there. And you just say, you know what? We can do that too. Absolutely. So I believe in working smarter, not harder. Um, but our agency had implemented summer hours when I got there. Mm -hmm. And so they were working a half day on Fridays from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And I kind of looked around when I got there and I was like, okay, by the time people get in and get their coffee and maybe, you know, turn on the computer and check a few emails, they're like, oh, time for lunch. Got to go. And I was like, but we're still getting all the work done that, you know, we need to get done. And so between the hiring market and, you know, housing authorities are thought of being kind of an old governmental bureaucratic mm -hmm. place to work. How are we going to attract and retain top talent? What can we offer? Right. And we don't necessarily have the privilege of offering really high salaries. Mm -hmm. um, I think our benefits are pretty competitive and things that you can't get necessarily in the private market. But um, I said, let's be European for a minute and let's see if this works. And right. so we adjusted to a 34-hour work week. We work four days a week. And um, we adjusted everybody's pay to maintain their 40 hours. So mm -hmm. um, no one lost money in the deal. And it was a transition. A lot of people were, you know, skeptical. They said, how am right. I going to get all this done? And for me, I really wanted to instill kind of a work hard, play hard attitude across mm -hmm. the whole organization. I want you guys to go and take your time. I mean, if you want Fridays to be a volunteer day at your kid's school yeah. or go take care of your doctor's appointments, I want you to be able to utilize that for you. Right. And so it's taken us a minute. We did it before COVID. We kept it through COVID. And now we've actually offered a lot more flexibility with telework. So okay. I think that's kind of the wave of the future. And, and if you're not going to adapt and change, you're going to get oh, left behind. Absolutely. Remote work is everything. Yes. Right now. And if you're not able to allow your workforce to find a way to work remotely, you're actually missing out on opportunities. We found that remote workforces will actually sometimes do more work. Absolutely. Than the workforces that are in the office every day. I know if I have a, I mean, very seldom do I get to actually work from home. But if I do, I start my day earlier mm -hmm. and I work through yeah. and usually later because I'm not in traffic. You know, exactly. I'm not traveling for calls and meetings. And so I get a lot more done. But the other thing I think that we did is we actually converted to just teams for everything. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a hard set phones, all of our phone calls come through the computer now. And so oh, it follows you when you take your laptop home right. to telework. And it also makes our office really quiet. Um, everybody has a headset mm -hmm. and we have a very open, we're kind of like a Google housing authority, very okay. open concept, <laughs> you know, lots of glass. And um, I thought that we would have some people just really revolt, but everybody right. stuck with us and it awesome. seems to be um, working really well. Okay, very cool. Now, you've got another interesting distinction being in Fort Worth and that's Dallas, right? And so you're sitting there with this huge mega city right beside you. How, as a PHA in Fort Worth, how do you guys maneuver around the fact that you've got this mega city sitting right beside you 
and sometimes eating up a lot of resources. So I would say DHA is, you know, in our shadow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love it. No, I love no, it. we love Troy. Troy's a good friend, yeah. um, great colleague. We love to have a large agency next door to be able to call. Right. Um, Fort Worth and Dallas have two completely different vibes. We have mm -hmm. two completely different political uh, scenes. Right. And so, you know, I'm glad to be in Fort Worth. I'm glad Troy's in Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, and we... We have the field office in Fort Worth, so I think that in some instances that's more helpful for us because we're just right. you know around the corner, but we're just different. Fort Worth is just <laughs> a different speed, and we are able to get things done collaboratively. And I think sometimes being in a larger city that makes it a little bit harder, yeah, right? And so can. he's got more boxes to check and people to to chat with. And Fort Worth's a big old small town. We may be the thirteenth largest city in the nation, but it still mm -hmm. feels like it did 25 years ago right. when, you know, you saw everybody at the grocery store. And so what I'm hearing you say, actually, is that it's important for PHAs to kind of understand who they are within their own agency, within their own community, and kind of hold on to that identity, right? If you're going to be the biggest small town, you know, be that. And don't try to be a Dallas. Don't try to be a smaller town. Be exactly who you are and fit your agency to match the community that's around you. I love Fort Worth because it's a collaborative community and we really try to get things done, um, you know, without fanfare. Right. We're not, we just want to get the work done. Uh, we can share in the, in the success and everybody mm -hmm. can get credit for it. But our agency is not out there trying to say, you know, give us the gold sticker. Right. We just want to house people. Mm -hmm. And so we know that it's going to take a lot more people than just our housing authority. And we want to be a good partner. So when people see an opportunity, they say, let's call them because we know they can deliver. Right. Very awesome. Okay, so it's hot seat time. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an imaginary megaphone, right? Okay. It's a magical megaphone. What's your favorite color? Blue. Blue? It, mine too. <laughs> it is a blue megaphone. Sparkles or no sparkles? All the way sparkles. Okay, blue with tons of sparkles all over it. And the magical thing about this megaphone is the minute that you pull the trigger on that megaphone to start speaking, everybody in the affordable housing industry stops what they're doing. They listen to you. They listen intently, they give you their undivided attention, and whatever it is you say, they're gonna implement. They're gonna actually put it to work. What is it that you tell the affordable housing industry? Gosh, just one thing? Oh, you can tell them anything you want. You got the megaphone, pull the trigger and let it out. We all know we need more housing, mm -hmm. but let's actually, we know that the funding's not gonna just magically appear, but let's try to figure out the triggers we can pull. So whether it be the waivers from COVID that yeah. we saw worked so well, um, in such a set uncertain time, let's implement those, mm -hmm. right? We were able to keep people housed and that's our goal. So I would say let's work together to figure out the policies we can change to be more effective um, and efficient with the resources that we do have. And please, please, please collaborate. Why are we being competitive? We are all serving the most vulnerable people, you know, in the world. We shouldn't be competitive over that. Yeah. We should be working together to make our services and resources go further. So I would just say call on your other housers, and then be someone that they can call on, answer the phone. And, you know, there's no secret sauce to this. There really isn't. And so share, learn and share. Those are the big, big things for yeah. me. I didn't get to where I am by reading regulations. You know, <laughs> right. I, I read those, but then yeah. you have conversations on how you actually implement these successfully. And so be somebody that will help somebody else because yeah. we need a whole new generation of housers. We have a lot of people retiring and getting out of this industry. And so that knowledge is going with them unless we open up and talk. And you're absolutely right. We've got... You know, there's the understanding of the regulation and the policy, but there's the application of the regulation and the policy. And that can have, there's a learning gap between that that really needs to be filled, and we can only fill that if we're collaborating and sharing with each other. Absolutely. 
Mary Margaret Lemons with Fort Worth Housing Solutions. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you joining us on the PHA Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And you can find all the previous episodes of the PHA Podcast. Just go to amaconsultinggroup.com and click on that button that says PHA Podcast. We'll see you next time.